Joey Votto isn't retiring, so are the Reds going to pick up or buy out his option? The question has nothing to do with money. I'll tell you why on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr. I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan and an addict, and I've turned that addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me talk some Reds with you. I encourage you, if you're listening, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs, or uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, thank you so much. Drop a thought down in our comments section. I love talking Reds baseball, and I want to talk Reds baseball with you. Lockdown Reds is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every single day, all throughout the year, all throughout the season, the offseason, the postseason, the spring training, preseason, all the seasons. We're here talking Reds every single day. And coming up on today's Lockdown Reds, uh, Joey Votto, he, he answered the question. He's not retiring. So what's that mean for the Reds in this this option I'm going to tell you why that has nothing to do with money. We're also going to look at my most surprising position player and my most surprising pitcher, which I'd love to hear from you on that. Who are your most surprising players from 2023? There were a lot. This was a surprising season. And the biggest surprise came on Friday whenever Joey Votto told Dan Patrick he's not retiring. Before we get into that, I want to let you know. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app and create an account and use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB to get $20 off your first ticket purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And on Friday, Joey Votto was a guest on the Dan Patrick Show. And Joey said he wants to play at least one more year. He said that the last couple of years were not the way that he wanted to leave the game. He really left a bad taste in his mouth and he felt like he's ready to go. He's healthy. He wants to play next year. And of course, Dan followed that up by asking, you know, is that going to be with the Reds? Is that going to be with somebody else? And Joey said that he's unemployed. And then he backtracked and he's like, well, there's this option. And and, 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 you know, if they don't pick it up, then I'm a free agent. My first time in my career. So this goes with something that Steve and I have been saying, and that is that the Reds aren't going to pick up this option, but can the Reds afford to not pick up the option? It's a $20 million option to retain Joey Votto for next season. Now they have to pay $7 million to buy out the contract. So this isn't like a, you save $20 million if you don't bring Joey Votto back, but this question has nothing to do with the money. And you probably just said, well, it's got everything to do with this. This, this franchise doesn't like to spend a lot. The roster doesn't, they, they don't like to have a huge payroll and all this, this other stuff. First of all, Let's start off with the fact that the Reds were one of the top four uh, growers when it came to television ratings. Top four in Major League Baseball. They were the number one grower in attendance. Over 40%, I believe it was 43% growth in attendance year over year. This team made a lot of money last year. And in the merchandising sales, you saw that uh, Ellie De La Cruz finished in the top 20 of jersey sales. And so did Joey Votto. 
Yeah, Joey Ladder, remember him? He didn't even come into the game until June, and yet he was still one of the top 20 jersey sales in all of Major League Baseball. The Reds had two players in that top 20, so they were making money. And this team, uh, uh, the ownership group has told us that they operate this team as a zero as a mar- a zero profit business. Whatever they make, they put back in. Well, they made a lot of money, and their payroll was low. Their payroll is getting even lower this year, especially if they don't pick up this option. They only pay the seven million dollar buyout. You're talking about a team that might have like a forty million dollar payroll. And while there's so much talent on this team, and that is a huge blessing to a payroll that it doesn't have to be that huge, that means that the Reds have room to spend. So let's get to why this has nothing to do with money. Because here's the first part of this. There's, there's three big points that I want to get to when it comes to why picking up or buying out the option of Joseph Daniel Votto has nothing to do with money. Number one, if the Reds buy out his option, and he goes to another team, that will erode trust in a front office that has spent the better part of the last two years trying to build it. Think about this. Every time somebody was saying something that you didn't like, it was Phil Castellini. Now, Nick Crawl said the peaks and valleys comment, and people really twisted that and made it something that wasn't They made it seem like Nick Kroll was saying something bad when he wasn't. He was just not very good at his messaging. Nick Kroll said he wanted to build a consistent contender. It's just the whole peaks and valleys thing kind of got blown out of proportion. But the guy who was saying things that weren't that great were Phil Castellini. All the while, Nick Kroll is making the moves that he was told to make and still somehow trying to position this team for future success. Because while you're trying to cut payroll, you're also not trying to just literally hand everybody away. He did a good job of that. And he built trust with the moves that he made. And then even when you look at this, the trust that he has been building, it it comes into uh, two other parts for itself. It says, you know, the the trust that the front office built and, and, and what it would do if they buy out this option and Joey goes to another team, number one, it will look as if the Reds put this on Joey when the decision was on them. Because if you buy out the option, then he becomes a free agent. And you say, well, we tried to bring him back. We tried to negotiate with him, but he went somewhere else for more money or for more playing time or what have you. And then the other part of that will be, it will breed doubt that the Reds will spend what is necessary to build a winner. You tell me that if we hear the headline, Reds buyout option, don't have to spend $20 million on Joey Votto, does that then turn around and say, well, we know they're going to reinvest that money? Because yes, they told us they invest what they make. This is a zero profit business to them. The Reds, the Cincinnati Reds are. But if you have this dude right here who, number one, locker room says they want Joey back and this, this fan base largely loves Joey Votto, there are, there's a, a group that doesn't seem to like him, but for the most part, this fan base loves him. So if you tell them we're going to buy out the option, he's going to go play for the Blue Jays or he's going to go play for the, the Phillies or the Red Sox or whoever, whatever. I, I, I'm just throwing teams out there. 
that's going to erode trust that this front office can build a winner. Not because of Joey, the person, and, and his individual ability to play the game right now, but because of what quibbling about $20 million will do for that. The whole idea of whether or not the Reds pick up this option, it has a human element that I think that we're discounting because we want the Reds to operate like some efficient economical system. And, you know, as much as there are those kinds of models to build winning baseball teams, this all still involves humans. It involves a player that has given his career to a team. And then if if, if you go all the way back to when he was drafted, it's been over 20 years that Joey Votto spent with the Reds. It involves a front office executive and Nick Kroll, who has seen his stock soar far and above what we figured it would, and who has said on the record in the past that Joey is a franchise icon that he cannot, that Nick Kroll cannot imagine playing for another team. It involves a fan base, you and I, that returned after being bludgeoned with small market explanations for why their favorite team chose to lose for a couple of years. And it involves an ownership group that gave a giant, well-deserved raise to a star player and then used that raise as a self-imposed bear trap on future roster upgrades. The, the buyout of this option and subsequent if he goes somewhere else would just look so horrible on the human element of all of this. You're telling me that what we gave him as Reds fans in his final home game, the standing ovation where they allowed time to stop and they, they, they let the game pause and he gets to soak it all in, that's it? The last... The last, make no mistake about it, I, I don't believe this is a hot take at all, the last career red that will have a legitimate shot at Cooperstown, you're really going to quibble over a $20 million option about that and say it has something to do with money when you could celebrate this dude for a year, give him the send-off he deserves, Maybe even given the playoff run and, 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 and things that he has always wanted. He has never. He's always said the right things. We, we, we've told you, me and Steve have told you, based on what we know and people we've talked to, the Reds aren't going to pick up this option. I am not sure that they can afford to buy out this option at this point because this has nothing to do with money. And I think it has everything to do with a fan base that wants to trust this team. And I feel like this would hurt that trust. We got a lot more to talk about where that's concerned because, well, whole, the option deadline isn't until a couple of days after the World Series is over. But where Joey's comments are concerned, he's not retiring. And I think if the Reds buy out this option... It's gonna be it's gonna be real interesting how people really perceive that. You know, 2023 brought numerous surprises to Great American Ballpark. But who was the biggest? We'll talk about that coming up next. 
Before we talk about that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is Game Time. Game Time is the best way to get down to the ballpark, to the stadium, to the arena, wherever you're going, because they have the best last-minute deals on tickets. Plus, if you're going somewhere, say you've never been to the arena or the, the stadium or wherever you're going, and you're really not sure about what you're getting, Game Time gives you this amazing view, your in-seat view, so you know where you know, the game's going to be in relation to the tickets that you're buying. You can kind of get an idea of your surroundings and things like that. It's a very great tool for exploring around the league, whether you're talking about major league baseball parks, new football stadiums, new basketball arenas, new hockey arenas, all this great stuff. Game time provides all of this information for you. Plus they give you the game time guarantee. That when you buy tickets from Game Time, if you find tickets on another secondary app in the same row, the same section, for a lower price, they'll credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are that they've got the right price. So check them out today. Download the app and use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. I use Game Time all the time, whether I'm going to Reds games, FC Cincinnati games, Bengals games, uh, Cyclones games, or if you want to go to like a comedy act or you want to go see a theater event or, you know, musical concert, all this great stuff, Game Time has it all. Check it out today. Game Time in the App Store and use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Your first purchase, last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every single day. Every day is coming up on tomorrow's show. Steve will return and he's going to give me his biggest surprise players of the season because I'm going to talk about my biggest surprise position player and my biggest surprise pitcher with you here on today's show. And, you know, if you are an everydayer, you may have some inkling as to where I'm going to go with this. Because my most surprising position player is TJ Friedel. We talked about this all season long. He came out of nowhere. He was a guy who Tom Nichols from the Dayton Dragons always spoke highly of, who scouts kind of ignored, as, at least as far as, like, you know, different national scouts and, and, and things like that, and who prospect rankers totally forgot. He wasn't on any top prospect list for the Reds. I mean, he might have been like on an organizational top 30, but it was kind of in the range that you're like, all right, well, he's, he's there, you know. He's a guy. We'll see what he's got. He's now a bona fide everyday outfielder. Bona fide. And... Barring any upgrades that the Reds can make this offseason, he's the opening day center fielder for your Cincinnati Reds. Think about this, too. Let's put this into perspective. I'm not going to go crazy deep into all of the numbers. There's lots of fun numbers, leading the league and bunt hits and all this other stuff. But let's put this into perspective. You have to go back 10 years to find a Reds center fielder who had a better year, at least according to OPS+. Plus. Now, over those 10 years, you really don't have a very a, a, a variable cast, but you have two guys who the Reds wanted, who the Reds tried, who the Reds kind of forced upon us as far as, like, this is our guy. Yeah, Nick Senzel for three years, 2019, 2020, shortened season, I know, and 2022, he never had an OPS plus better than 87, and that was his rookie season in 2019. 
You had Tyler Naquin in 2021 who came the closest to TJ Friedel. So TJ Friedel this season had an OPS plus of 118. Tyler Naquin had an OPS plus in 2021 of 107. Nick Sunzel never came close. And then you go the next one, two, three, four, five, five years, 2014 through 2018, Billy Hamilton. As fun and, and, and as memorable as some of his highlights were, and especially some of the catches he made and, and different things that he did, there was never a season where he ever came close to the year that TJ Friedel put up in looking at OPS. Plus, this is a stat that we talk about a lot here. Every dayers will know this is our favorite, like, kind of all encompassing quick snapshot as far as a stat that explains everything that a hitter does. TJ Friedel was far and away better than any year of Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton's best year of OPS plus was 81. TJ Friedel was 118 this past season. You have to go all the way back to 2013 and Shinsu Chu and his 145 OPS plus where, I mean, he was getting MVP votes and he had a heck of a year that year for the Reds. It was amazing. But TJ Friedel has been the best center fielder that this team has seen in a decade. And he came out of nowhere. He was a guy that when opening day came around this season, I'm like, well, we got TJ Friedel in the outfield. I don't really know what he's going to provide. And lo and behold, he came two home runs away from the Reds' first 2020 season since 2014 when Todd Frazier did it. Yeah, you got to go back that far for a 2020 season in the Reds' history. I'm, I'm like 99% sure there. But TJ Friedel has been phenomenal this year. Let's And you kind of extrapolated out like his slash line of 279, his on-base of 352, so basically he's getting on base 35% of the time, and is slugging a 467. He only struck out 90 times in 488 at-bats. He played 30 more games, and, and and one name that I think that you're probably writing down in your comment section right now is Will Benson. He played 30 more games than Will Benson, and he struck out 25 less times than Will Benson. I love Will Benson. I was not surprised by Will Benson. I told you he was going to be good. But T.J. Friedel had a knack for not wasting outs. He didn't strike out a lot. Plus, this is a big one because we talk about David Bell. We talk about the Reds' organizational philosophy when it comes to building a lineup. They hate letting lefties bat against left-handed pitchers. Not T.J. Friedel. In fact, T.J. Friedel in 98 at-bats, or 96 at-bats, sorry, was better against left-handed pitching than he was against right-handed pitching. In 96 at-bats against lefties, he hit 354. He got on base with a 421 clip and he slugged 542. We call that mashing or smashing or TJ Friedel bangs, right? Nah, that, that only works for Joey Votto. But TJ Friedel absolutely hit left-handed pitching super well. Then, when you look at the right-handed side, he had 392 at-bats against righties. He actually only hit 260 against righties. Got on base 336, slugged 449. So really, he benefited 
from facing left-handed pitching. And he's a left-handed hitter. Plus, he's solid defensively, too. He had an outs above average of five. Put him, like, as a top 25 center fielder defensively in Major League Baseball. Hey, nothing crazy. You know, he's not going to be a gold glove type dude, but he's not going to hurt you either. Do the Reds, could the Reds make an upgrade? And yeah, they should, they could make an upgrade there in center field. It's not like center fielders grow on trees and they're really easy to find. As I said, over the last 10 years, TJ Friedel is the best since Shinsu Chu at the plate. But I think it's, it's important to note. That's just how surprising he is. This was a guy that the Reds brought up last September to figure out what he's got. And now Again, barring any sort of big upgrade the Reds make to center field in the offseason, he's going to be the Reds' center fielder on opening day. So he's my most surprising position player. But who is the most surprising Reds pitcher? I'll tell you, coming up next. Before we get into that, I wanted to remind you that you can follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, and you can follow us in between episodes. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. That's both of those on Twitter, by the way. Uh, You can also join the Lockdown Reds Discord page. A lot of great folks talking Reds baseball in there. encourage you to join. Link is down in the description of today's episode. All right. TJ Friedel, most surprising position player. My most surprising pitcher, Brandon Williamson. Most surprising pitcher for the Reds in 2023. All right, got a question for you. Quick trivia. Who led the Reds in innings pitched in 2023? Graham Ashcraft. Yep, good guess. Yep, that that was a good one. He He had a nice season. Not an amazing year, but a nice season. Still dealt with injury. Who was second? Brandon Williamson. Brandon Williamson threw the second most innings. He had the second most starts and the second most innings for your Cincinnati Reds in 2023. Not Hunter Green, not Nick Lodolo, not even Andrew Abbott, not even anybody else. It was Brandon Williamson. Not even Luke Weaver, who was here far too long. Brandon Williamson pitched to a 4-4-6 ERA in 117 innings. It's basically a quality start every time out. It's just he only averaged five innings a start, so he wouldn't have made it to the quality start. You have to pitch six innings. But think about where we were in spring training with Brandon Williamson. He had way too many walks. They were a huge problem. And in fact, even when he started the season in AAA, walks were a huge deal. His walk-to-strikeout rate, I think, was like one-to-one. He didn't strike out enough, and he walked too many. Now, in his his minor league career, if you go back down to like single A and double A and things like that, he actually had a very high strikeout rate. But for some reason, once he got to triple A, it really sort of evened out. And he had a hard time keeping the ball in the strike zone. So we weren't sure, like, I mean, how much time does this dude need in triple A? Does he need a whole season? Is this something he has to work work out and, and fix some things? And didn't think he was ready. In fact... I remember there there was an episode probably somewhere in April. April was a dark time. When we go back and we look at April here coming up in a few weeks, that's going to be interesting. But I'm pretty sure we said something to the effect of we'd rather see Levi Stout before we see Brandon Williamson. 
that couldn't have been any more wrong. But Brandon Williamson was not on our radar. And this is where the definition of most surprising comes in. I told you about that with TJ Friedel. That's where we were with Brandon Williamson. We were saying, me and I, me and Steve both were saying to the effect of like, I don't know that we want to see Brandon Williamson this year. But because of need, because of injuries, because of depleted pitching staffs and things like that, the Reds had to call him up. And dude grew. Dude really grew on me. I know that. I, I He started out and you kind of weren't sure what you had. And then he had a few starts in there that you're like, oh my. He's got something here. And what he had was a changeup. Dude had an amazing changeup. Nasty changeup. He almost had, it was right below 40%. He had a 39.9% whiff rate on his changeup. That's amazing. And the fact that he only allowed a 183 batting average on his changeup all year long. This is according to uh, Baseball Savant. Phenomenal. In a in a Major League Baseball, in an era where everyone is throwing 100, a dude that can get outs on a consistent basis and get swings and misses as well as Brandon Williamson can with his changeup, I like that. That's pretty cool. And he parlayed where we were in thinking, like, we don't want to see him at all. He doesn't look like he's ready. Seems like he's walking too many people. He parlayed that into a surefire shot at a starting rotation spot next year. Now, I'm not saying, and we'll get into this a lot more as the offseason goes along, so I don't want to get into the discussion right here, plus Steve and I will hash this out and things like that. I, I don't think that he is a lock for the rotation, but he definitely has a big-time shot at it. I think in spring training this past year, I was trying to be hopeful in saying that he was a dark horse candidate, but even then, my hopefulness was dark horse candidate. Didn't think that he was going to be the second most innings pitched on the team. And here we are. Dude showed great growth. And I think that he will continue to grow throughout the offseason. And once we go through spring training, we're going to see what happens. You know, it's got to be a little bit more consistent with his breaking stuff. I think as a guy that isn't a fireballer, you've got to have the ability to drop that sweeper in there or drop that curve in there and mess with him a little bit and then back it up with the change up and get him to swing and miss and finish off the at-bat. And his breaking stuff was very hittable last year. But I think he's got a very, very good shot. And if you ask me, you look at this pitching staff and you can pick a bunch of different relief pitchers as as candidates here. Like, at, I kind of started this exercise off by thinking I was going to pick Ian Jabot because I constantly said all year long, I don't really want to see him in high leverage spots, and he kept delivering in high leverage spots. But Brandon Williamson is far and away the most surprising pitcher for me for the season because coming into the year, didn't even know if I wanted to see him at all, he ends up being the second most innings pitch, and he was effective in those 117 innings. Curious your thoughts. Let me know down in the comments section. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, like I said, at Jeff Carr with three Fs. We're going to get Steve's thoughts coming up tomorrow, so for all of our everydayers out there, thanks for uh, checking us out here today. We're going to get Steve's thoughts on the most surprising players because I'm curious as to what he thought with that. Um, I think he's going to disagree with me. Usually does. But um, curious as to your thoughts as well. 
That'll do it for us here today on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks so much for checking us out. We will be with you all throughout the offseason. As the Reds move into the phase where they can sign people, trade people, this is going to be a busy offseason. Trust me in that. And that's why I think that the, the, the whole, and going back to what I talked about earlier on the show, Joey Votto's option has nothing to do with the money because I'm pretty sure the Reds can afford it. It's all about the imaging and the messaging that they will have if they buy it out and he goes and plays for someone else. Don't think they can afford that to happen. We'll talk more about that as the offseason goes along because we will be locked on Reds every single day.